0: chapter of the book of Exodus. I don't know if this is on. We you open your Bibles to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus uh, and if you want to, you can also you can also open to the 5th chapter of Deuteronomy. It, it makes no difference. However you want to do. It. I can tell the revelation classes in here is just a bunch of rowdies in here before. My class is quiet, sedate. You all just come in here just up a storm. Goodness. Alright, we've come to the we've come to the mount of God. God has brought the children of Israel out of slavery. They are now a people. God's own choosing. But they have no laws. They've come out of a land of laws. Laws that were antithetical to everything that they believed but they have no laws of their own and so god comes down and does something that he's never done before he speaks directly to the people it was a voice that was audible it was a voice that was the voice of god himself deuteronomy 5:26 and it filled the people with a terrible fear, Exodus 20:19. Imagine, if you will, that you're one of the two and a half million or so. And you hear the voice of God speaking out of the fire, speaking out of the cloud that has descended upon the mount of God. And this being the only direct utterance ever made by God to man. In a group like this. Now, he's spoken to others. This is the only time he's spoken to the people. But we know from Hebrews that God speaks to us in a different way today. He speaks to us through his son, he speaks to us through his word. And it's interesting that he speaks uh, speaks to us through his word because he tells us to preach the word, not just one word or a word, but preach the word. And that's important because the commandments that he gives to the people are called uh, by Clement of Alexandria. He calls those for the first time the Decalogue. And if you translate the word Decalogue, it's ten words. And that's what God spoke. God spoke ten words to the people. And we're told today to preach the word. So ten words was not just ten words, obviously, because we don't preach just one word today. We preach the word The word of God. And in this this decalogue, these ten words, there are ten messages for man. Ten rules. Ten messages for the children of Israel. Because they have no law, God now instills in them his law. They are his people. God has given us the law of Christ. And that is our law. And we are to follow that law. And so if you look in the opening chapter of the 20th, uh, opening verses of the 20th chapter, if you look at the Ten Commandments or the, the ten words that God spoke, command one and two talks directly about God. In fact, the first four commandments lay out our obligation to God or the children of Israel's obligation to God, their obligation to worship. We're to worship God and him only. We're to give him all of our service. The third commandment, God speaks of vain usage of his name. We're to honor God. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And I wonder sometimes, although there's no Bible verse that will correlate to this, we know that God wrote these words also on stone, and he gave them to Moses. And I wonder if those first four were not written on one tablet, and the remaining was written on the other tablet. The fifth command. To honor your father and mother, do no murder, commandments against immorality, speak of man's responsibility to others. Ephesians 6.1, the Apostle Paul tells us to, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so the commandment to honor the father and the mother, the commandment to do no murder, the the command to not commit any immorality, which was rampant among the Egyptian people and would be rampant among the people when they went into the land of promise, those people that they were supposed to take out or take away from the land. It was very common. Immorality in that time was extremely common, as it is now. We may call it adultery. We may call it fornication. The modern parlance is having a relationship, an alternate lifestyle, or a common law marriage. But the law then, as it is now, is thou shalt not commit adultery. The Eighth Commandment, the Ninth and the Tenth, all go to property and how to maintain your reputation with others, property rights. And he expands on this in chapters 21 and 22 when he he lays out more detail to the law. The Eighth Commandment is is, is a special one because it talks about stealing, and most people think of stealing as stealing money. But you can steal in other ways. You can steal time from your job if you're dishonest. You're stealing from your employer. You can steal another man's wife or another man's husband. And that's theft of two kinds taking something that's not yours and committing adultery or fornication. So there's various types of stealing that he talks about and he encompasses it in, in, in the command to do, just do not steal. The ninth command do not bear false witness the tenth command do not covet. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 5 both talk about the Apostle Paul talks about stealing or talks about coveting thou shalt not covet. Taking something that is not yours, that you did not work for, taking something I've always maintained the lottery is covetousness. Taking something that you did not earn. And so with these ten commandments or these ten words that God spoke to the people, I found I found this as I was researching for the class today, and I like it because it, it boils them down to very true. Principles. Commandment number one, trust God only. Number two, worship God only. Number three, use God's name in ways that honor him. Fourth commandment, rest on the Sabbath day and think about God. Fifth commandment, respect and obey your parents. Sixth command, protect and respect human life. The seventh command, be true to your husband or your wife. The eighth command, do not take what belongs to others. Number nine, do not lie about others. And number ten, be satisfied with what you have. And so as we look at these ten commandments, several questions arise, and, and we want to look at those this morning in the class. To whom were these commandments given? Were they given to the world? No. They were given to the children of Israel. If you look at Deuteronomy 5, verses 2 and 3, God very clearly says those commands are for you. Those commands are for the children of Israel. They're for the people of Israel. They're not for the world. The nation, as God brought it together from Abraham through Isaac and Jacob... Moses now the lawgiver, or in most instances, the law receiver. But this was not given to the world at large. Because the world at large had not experienced the Passover. The world at large had not been baptized in the sea and in the cloud, 1 Corinthians 10.1. And so we see that these commandments, these ten words, were given to God and to Israel. And they were laying the groundwork for Christianity Exodus 31-16 talks about God's relationship with his people the book of Galatians goes into great detail Paul goes into great detail talking about the law and the gospel talking about the law being a schoolmaster that brought us to who? It brought us to Christ and that was for the children of Israel the gospel tells us that we're no longer under the law and that law, the law of Christ, is for the world. It's not just for the chosen. The second question that arises when talking to people about the Bible and, and talking to them about the message of Christ is, has the law of Moses been abrogated? Has the law of Moses been abrogated? There are some who say it hasn't. Billy Graham, for all the years that he preached said we were still living under the Ten Commandments. Rubel Shelley, that name's not familiar to you, he's an apostate preacher of the Church of Christ. Many years ago, he said that the law of the Ten Commandments was still in force. And then for many years after that, he tried to backtrack. But has the law of Moses been abrogated? Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, tells us that... Jeremiah even knew that there would be a new covenant, that there would be a new law that would be given. And so at some point, the old law would go away. Remember when Moses came down from the mountain with the tablet of stone? What, his, what does the Bible say his face looked like? You remember what it says? It glowed. His face glowed. But from that moment on, the glow began to fade. As the law of Moses served a purpose for its time. But the Bible tells us that we're dead to the law, Romans 7. What was once written in stone is now written on the hearts of men, Paul said in 2 Corinthians. But there are those who still hold that the law of Moses is still in force. A few years ago, I was out in the yard doing some yard work on a Saturday. It's about the only day I have to do yard work. And there were some nice people that were coming up and down the street, handing out their tracts. And, of course, I'm always willing to engage those wonderful people, talk to them about the Bible. And they said, well, we're from the Seventh-day Adventist group. And I said, oh, I said, you people are the ones who believe that the Sabbath is still being held, to keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. Yes, that's right. (coughs) I said, well, how far did you have to come from your building down the road here on Cave Mill how far did you have to walk to get to my house or drive? And they said, well, there's general distance. I said, have you been walking around in the neighborhood the majority of the day? And they said, yeah, we've been walking around the majority of the day. I said, well, you've violated the Sabbath because you can only go a certain distance on the Sabbath. I said, did you you cook breakfast this morning? Well, yes, I cooked breakfast for my husband. I said, well, you violated the Sabbath. So if you have to keep one law of the Sabbath... How much of it do you have to keep? What does the Bible say? It says you have to keep all of it. If you violated one rule of the Sabbath, you violated it all. They, didn't, they haven't been back to my house since. <laughs> I guess I'm on some kind of a list. It won't come around. I'm always more than happy to talk to them. Has the law been abrogated? Yes, the law has been abrogated. Hebrews 10.9, if you need only one scripture, Hebrews 10.9 tells us, that the first has to give way to the second. The first being the law of Moses. The second being the law of Christ. The end of the law, Romans 10. Ephesians 2 tells us that that partition has been broken down. The law which only applied to the house, of, or the house of Israel now brings in the Gentiles. Brings in everyone. Brings in the world. Great moral laws. Established by God are still maintained today throughout the world. We keep all ten, but we keep them because they're not the Ten Commandments given to Israel, but they're great moral laws. I can look at the Ten Commandments, and I can see elsewhere in the Old Testament that if you violated any of those commandments, what was the punishment? If I curse my mother and my father, what's the punishment? Death. A violation of any of the Ten Commandments brings on capital punishment, brings on death. And so, from the patriarchy, the laws that God established for them, to the Mosaic period where God established the Ten Commandments as rules for their lives, to today, we keep them because they're sound moral laws. Every society. Egypt had a law about killing why else would Moses have to flee when he killed the Egyptian soldier? If there was no law against killing, why did he have to flee? Even Egypt, as corrupt as it was, as idolatrous as it was, they had laws. But the children of Israel now are free from that bondage, and they are under a new set of rules. The people of God versus the people of the world. We have laws. We have laws. They were a nation of slaves when they came out of Egypt with no law, with no moral compass. They were not ready. They were not ready to establish themselves as a nation. And so they had to have laws given to them that would separate them. Just as the laws of Christ today separate us from the rest of the world. There's a lot to be said about tolerance in today's world. used to be a negative tolerance when I was growing up. There was right and there was wrong. But today, there's a positive tolerance. My father used to say tolerance is the ideal for a man who doesn't know where he stands. In Exodus 21, we move over into The laws being amplified, more detail given to these laws. In chapter 21, verses 1 through 32, we talk about laws connected to the rights of persons. You talk about laws regarding slavery. Laws expanded, talking about murder. Man man, uh, stealing from another Striking or cursing your parents. Assaults, injuries not resulting in death. Injuries to animals. The remainder of that chapter, verses 33 through 36, the laws of restitution. Chapter 22 goes into the laws of, of expanded laws on property rights. And verses 6 through 31 talks about uh, social justice, laws of social justice. And one of the big things that the law talked about especially in the book of Leviticus, is talking about respect for widows, respect for the traveler, respect for the orphan. There are laws concerning borrowing, usury, and there are laws concerning idolatry. In chapter 23, it talks a lot about the laws of the Sabbath and how to keep the Sabbath. And these Ten Commandments... These ten words that the children of Israel were given to live by. It's strange to me that there are those in the world today who have taken those Ten Commandments and they've modified them for their own purposes. Here's a list of the Ten Commandments from the site beginningcatholic.com. Now you tell me. Commandment number one, I am the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We all right so far? Okay. Commandment two, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Did we miss something? Did we miss something? Let's go back to Exodus 20 and look at that. Because I have a different commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment one. Now I'm in, verse, I'm in verse four. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or on the earth beneath or the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. They seem to have left that one out. If you want to see this after class, I'm more than happy to show it to you. But you can go to beginningcatholic.com. The Catholic tradition uses the division of the commandments established by St. Augustine. Well, the Ten Commandments were not established by St. Augustine. Here are the Catholic Ten Commandments. Nothing in there about graven images and nothing in there about bowing down to them. So I have a problem with that. What's the problem I have with that? What does the book of Revelation tell us? You're studying Revelation. What does it tell us? If you add 2 I'll do what? I'll add to you the plagues of this book. Is that correct? If you take away, what will I do? God speaking. I'd be careful. I'd be very careful. Delivery of moral law. So let's look at the Ten Commandments. Let's look at them a little deeper. Do they cover everything with regard to man? Do they cover everything? I can't think of anything they don't cover. They're all they're pretty much all embracing. Our duty to God, our duty to our fellow man, our duty to respect what other people have and what we have. How are they arranged? In in matter of importance. Are they arranged correctly? Who's our first duty to? First duty is to God. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And the second commandment is likened unto it. What is that? You love your neighbor as yourself. So from the standpoint of order, they seem to be in the right order. What is the first and great commandment Matthew 22:37 What is the first and great commandment? That's the first commandment. That's the greatest. If you can't love God, where do you have where do you have to go? What does God, what does loving God involve? What does it loving God involve? Ooh, that's a dirty word. That's a dirty word. Obedience. Are you comfortable with being a slave? Are you comfortable with being a slave to God? Are you comfortable with being a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you comfortable doing everything he tells you to do and nothing more? He's the the bread of life. We're going to talk about that in a week or so when we talk about the tabernacle and how it's set up. He's the light of the world. I'm just giving my class a little little head start on so they'll be able to answer the questions when I ask them next he's the bread of life he's the light of the world in him is no darkness what does it mean what does it mean to give your life to Christ are those just words to you you go home today and you look in the mirror and you ask yourself do I belong wholly to him He'll be Lord of all, or he'll not be Lord at all. You can't serve God. You can't serve the world and just be here on Sunday morning saying, Oh, how I love Jesus. You can't dress like the world dresses. You can't talk like the world talks. You can't live like the world lives. Not and be separate. What does the Bible say? Come out from among them and be ye separate. Do we look too much like the world on a daily basis? The second commandment worship God only. He's a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I know a lot of people who worship with the spirit. They roll around on the ground and they jump around. They got the spirit. I'm not sure they have the truth. I know a lot of people who have the truth. <clears throat> but sometimes they lack the spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lying. Taking the Lord's name in vain. Problem in our society today? Not a problem in our society today? Not a problem. I have a co worker who shall remain nameless, who cannot get through a sentence without taking the Lord's name in vain. How about you? How about all the little ancillary words that we use so we don't, quote unquote, take the Lord's name in vain? All those little words. Are we taking the Lord's name in vain? Keep your foot where you go. When you go to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you are upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 and 2 fourth commandment. A commandment that's been set aside. We don't worship on Saturday anymore. We don't worship on the Sabbath. We don't keep the Sabbath. Because the church meets on the first day of the week. There's, a, there's been a change in how we worship God. But we still need to think about God. This is a hallowed day. This is a day when we come to give our Love and our adoration and our respect to the one who made us. He created us. He knew us when we were in our mother's womb. He's always known us. And he knows where we're going. He knows our comings and our goings. He's our God. Would you expect anything less? We are to worship him We are to give him everything that we have. We're not to leave anything out. We're not to rob God. The book of Malachi says, will a man rob God? You've robbed me, he says. And so we need to give God his due diligence. We need to give God our love. We need to give him our worship. Oh, honoring father and mother. I have seen children treat parents most despicably. And I've seen parents put up with it. And if you're one of those parents, shame on you. We are to honor father and mother, we're to honor them because of their age, their experience. And for the many benefits that they've conferred on us. What is a child that disregards his parents? That disrespects his parents? It's as much a problem with the child as it is a reflection on the parent. If the parent allows it. It's interesting to me that that commandment carried a harsh penalty in the children of Israel's day. If you cursed mother or father, you were stoned to death at the city gates. Disrespect for parents was not allowed. But today, go to a restaurant today and watch how children behave. There's no discipline. Some people don't discipline out of fear. Fear of what others will think. Fear of what others might say. What does God think? What does God think? The sixth commandment thou shalt do no murder. That's pretty straightforward. Can we murder a person's reputation? Can we murder people in other ways other than just killing them? Matthew 5 21 through 26. What does it say? I've heard it said in old times, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you, here it comes. If you're angry with your brother without a cause. Can, yes, ma'am. Can I go back to your parents? Sure. Because I want to understand mm-hmm. that. What Neil, you want to touch? You want to, you want to touch that one? <laughs> well, your revelation class asks good questions. It also, it also speaks to the verse that says you're, you're to bring your child up in what? The nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you're doing something to your child that's provoking them to wrath, where's the nurturing? Where's the admonition? Now, a child needs to be admonished. And if the child gets his feelings hurt and he gets mad about that, that's the child's problem. But the parent is not to initiate that. The parent is not to poke the monkey through the cage, if you will. Not to say that children are monkeys, but sometimes they act like monkeys. So, you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder, you shall do no murder. Whosoever murders will be liable to the judgment. Now I'm in Matthew 5. I'm, 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 I'm reading the words of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. But well, what does Christ say? But I say unto you, if you're what? If you're angry, so what's he equating? He's equating anger, anger with murder. He said, not only should you not murder, you shouldn't be angry with your brother. If you insult your brother, you'll be liable to the council. And if you call your brother "Reka," which is you fool, you'll be liable to hellfire. So what follows on the heels of that? <clears throat> if you're going to the altar... And you have something against your brother. you just go on and go to the altar and take care of it later on? What does he say to do? You leave your gift at the altar. You leave your gift, verse 24. And first be reconciled to your brother. How many times throughout our daily walk do we become angry with people? Sometimes angry with people we don't even know. I can't get down Scottsville Road. Uh, Yeah. It's it's getting rough anywhere in this town, so I'm really going to have to. The the roads are not going to fix themselves. I'm going to have to fix me. I'm going to have to fix me. And I'm going to stay home a lot, yeah. (laughs) Stay home a lot. I've gotten better. I really have gotten better. Apparently there are people in this town, when they see that red octagonal, they just think that means just to put your foot on the brake, tap it, and go on through. I don't know. Andy, oh. Being angry with your brother is not your service to God. How can you convert someone when you're angry with them? Seventh commandment. Yes, sir. That's a good point. That's a good point. How can I partake of the Lord's Supper when I have something that I know is just gnawing at me on the inside? Brother in Christ, sister in Christ, or not? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? These these are not these are not just throwaway things that we're going to talk about on Sunday morning. These have eternal implications. And and if you're not grasping that, then I'm either not doing an effective enough job of getting it across to you, or you're just not you're just not getting it. You've got to reconcile. If someone's hurt my feelings and I'm mad at them, I better make it right. Because it says if you partake of this unworthily, in an unworthy manner, it's not good. It's not good. Worship is not just a time to come and to sing and to pray and to do all the things that we do. Lord's Supper preaching, an invitation, all the things that we do. This is a time for us to come and get right. Forgive our brethren. Forgive our sisters. Forgive whoever we've got ought against. Reconcile. You've got to make it right. Seventh commandment. I don't want to talk about all these things. We know immorality is wrong. We know that society has, has stood everything on its head. Now, that could be a whole lesson. It could be a whole series of lessons. It could be a gospel meeting. And we still wouldn't touch the hem of the garment. The world's, a, the world's in a bad place right now, as far as I'm concerned. The world's in a bad place. We don't need to be a part of that. We really We need to come out from among them and be separate. We're a royal priesthood. We're made in the image of God. And we need to act like it. And I'm not, I'm not standing up here because I'm better than you. I'm the worst of the worst. I can talk about all these things 10 minutes down the road. Uh, Scottsville, I'll be cursing somebody. I ain't no better. I'm not any better than you. I'm just as flawed. I'm just as broken. But I'm saying I need to get right. And this is where I come to get right. And if you're not taking advantage of that, just go on home. This is not doing you any good. If anything, it's doing you a disservice. Andy? Sure. It's a look. It's a look. That's where it all starts. Now, I'm a guy. I'm not going to speak for the women. But he says if you look on a woman, so he's, if you look on a woman to lust after her, what have you done? You've committed adultery in your heart, and you're you're no better off. But it does. All of these build. Anger builds to something worse. A look builds to something worse. Right, right. And I would add to that, you need to do something else prior to even doing that. You need to get on your knees, and you need to pray to God to forgive you. And then you go make it right. You make it right with God first, and then you tell God, I'm going to go make this right. I'm I'm going to fix this. But you better get it right with God. The Eighth Commandment, stealing. I think we've talked talked enough about that, the various kinds of stealing, Um, stealing from your employer, stealing uh, stealing time. It's not just thievery. Uh, it It can be many, many different kinds of stealing. Ninth Commandment, False witness. The the things that the people in this time had to adhere to with regard to witnessing were much more complicated. How many witnesses did it require in the face of how many witnesses? Two or three? Could there be women? I don't think women could witness, could they? Women couldn't witness. It's, It's the time. So today, witnessing is different. Witnessing in a court of law, you're, you're sworn to tell the truth, but you're still to be an honest, an honest witness. Appearance in court, how you comport yourself when you're in court, how you, how you, uh, how you witness for someone in a court action of some kind. The final commandment is supplementary to the eighth. So the eighth commandment, don't take what belongs to others. The tenth commandment is be satisfied with what you've got. How many are here today are satisfied with what they have? What does the world tell you? What does the world tell you? More? That's the cry. That's the hue and cry of the world. We don't have enough. I'm going to tear down my barns. Build bigger ones so I can be an Epicurean, a true Epicurean. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. What did God say? What did the Lord say to him? Tonight, your soul will be required of you. And where will you be? We've built our homes. The world has built their home on... Sand. Build our home on the rock. Covetousness. Covetousness. Taking something that you've not worked for. That's enough said about that. So, God's moral laws. We've taken those laws in modern society, we've morphed them into the moral laws that we follow. Murders against the law, stealings against the law, all of these things. Stealing from your neighbor, that's theft. All of these things. But those laws have been abrogated. The law of Moses was nailed to the cross. And we now follow a new law. We follow the law of Christ. And so, as the children of Israel begin to inculcate these laws into their lives, and, and in, their, in their wilderness wanderings that will happen, many of these laws are forgotten. Many of these laws are set aside. Many of these laws are just, they just blow them off. And it's a sad, sad lesson they have to learn. And if we're not careful, it's a sad lesson that we will have to learn if we don't follow God's moral laws. Next week, Most of y'all will be back in your class. Hiram and Neil will be back doing what they do. We're going to talk about the tabernacle because we're getting close on time. Neil, when does the the quarter end? I can't even remember. The end of August. Okay, so we still have a little time. We're going to talk about the tabernacle. Then we're going to talk about um, uh, the priestly order, the order of Levi. And we're going to talk about some of the other laws that have come along with this. But we've got these ten. But, you know, the chapter 20 is not the only one. So for my class, you know, you need to be reading chapter 20, 21, 22, um, 23. And we'll talk next week about man- a little bit about manna. We'll step back a little bit and talk about manna. What was that? The quail, all of that to feed the people in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the wilderness. So remember, ten commandments, ten plagues. And ten times the people grumbled against God. Okay? And good Lord willing, we'll see you next Sunday.